I, th- I wanted to take some time. I'm going to look at the book of Ecclesiastes and Luke. I'm going to jump around to a bunch of Psalms and Proverbs to just show us what the Word of God has to say because the question comes down to this. Do you communicate well? Don't answer that. Okay? Don't answer because the person sitting next to you might not agree. All right? But sometimes we think we're better at communicating than we actually are. Uh, or, or, or if we're not good at communicating, do we, are we people that under-communicate? You know, we don't share enough information. Are, are people able to understand what you're doing? Are they able to understand your intentions? Do you share struggles appropriately with others, maybe in, a, in accountability groups of, of some sort? It, now, this means not being overly emotional with just anyone, but it, it also doesn't mean being like this enigma or this mystery. You know, what did they mean by that? You know, what, what are they trying to say? Um, when you talk to your spouse, when you talk to your children or your coworkers or your friends, can they understand and make sense of what you're saying? Or are they left with more confusion as to what is it they're trying to say? Uh, a wise man once said this, what a sad thing it is to talk all day long, but say absolutely nothing. You know, we can, we can shoot a lot of words out and we can talk all day long, but is there anything of substance? Have we communicated anything well? You see, learning to communicate doesn't mean that we learn to talk people to death. And some of us might be really good at that and have our PhDs in it. But do you have anything to say? Because the goal is this, when it comes to communication and when it comes to relationships, it's being able to hear what's being said and being able to process that well. And if we don't learn how to communicate, then how will we know what others expect from us? If we don't learn to communicate well, how will we learn what the Holy Spirit expects from us? So this is a very important tool. Communication is extremely important. And it's a scary topic to preach about because the one thing I want to make sure is is I communicate well about communication, right? You want to be able to say what needs to be said. And there's such an important thing to this. There was a strategic general. He was asked for input on a plan of attack. And they asked him, what would be the most strategic move that we could make to win the war? And you would have thought that he might have said, let's attack all the, te- the, the ground troops. Let's get everybody and let's just rush them like a blitz and we'll just, we'll, we'll take them out. Or you thought he might say, you know what? Let's bomb the headquarters because if we bomb the headquarters, that would be great. But that's not what he said. Here's what his answer was. He said, take out their lines of communication. And they said, what? He said, take out their lines of communication. He said, because if the general and any of the other colonels and leaders can't communicate to the troops of what to do, he said, chaos will ensue and we will have already won the war because communication isn't happening. And I thought to myself, wow, that's, that, that's really good. And it, it, isn't it exactly what the enemy does to you and me? Tries to knock out the lines of communication so we're not communicating with our heavenly father all, all the enemy will do is he'll bring some miscommunication our way and we self-destruct because we, we don't understand. So communication is vital to life. It's vital to relationships. And when you don't have good communication, what happens is there becomes this disconnect. A disconnect happens. We become disconnected from those that are the closest to us. And when that disconnect sets in, it leads to discontent. We're not happy with what we have. And we start craving what everybody else has because we're, we're discontent, which then leads to discouragements. We become discouraged 
in, in, in life, with, we, we become discouraged with everything and with everybody. And before long, what we do is we want to quit, give up, and throw in the towel. Now, what I want to talk to you about today, I, I, I'm not talking about communication, like how to become a better speaker, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about how to become a better wordsmith. That's part of it. Um, that, that is included in it. But what we're talking about today is the responsibility that you and I have to become better communicators in every aspect because when we aren't, there's this great chasm, there's this distance that takes place. And the distance shows up in our relationships, it shows up uh, like with our spouses, with our kids, it even shows up in our relationship with God. Well, why does this happen? Sometimes it's simply because of anger. We talked about anger last week and how the enemy will use that tool to bring destruction. Sometimes it's because pride gets in the way and we don't communicate well. Sometimes it's because of self, uh, selfishness. And there can be a number of other things. But at the bottom line, it's important that you and I become better communicators. It, I, I want to say great communicators, but I don't know if there's ever a great communicator except Jesus himself. You know, he's the greatest one. And my goal is to become a better communicator day after day. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. Am I doing good? I hope so. I'm working on it. But if you don't work at it at all, it only declines. And when communication doesn't happen, the message changes. You guys have probably heard this story before, but I'm going to read it to you. It's called Operation Haley's Comet. Does it sound familiar? It says, a colonel issued the following directive to his executive officer. Here it is. Tomorrow evening, approximately 20 hundred hours, Haley's Comet will be visible in the area, an event that occurs once every 75 years. Have the men fall out in the battalion area in fatigues, and I will explain this rare phenomenon to them. If it rains, we're not going to be able to see it. In that case, assemble the men in the theater, and I will show the film on it. So the executive officer took that message to the commander and said, by order of the colonel tomorrow at 20 hundred hours, Haley's Comet will appear above the battalion area. If it rains, have the men fall out in fatigues and march to the theater where this rare phenomenon will take place, something that occurs once every 75 years. The company commander took that message to the lieutenant and said, by order of the colonel in fatigues, at 20 hundred hours tomorrow evening, the phenomenal Haley's Comet will appear in the theater. If it rains in the battalion area, the colonel will give another order, something that occurs once every 75 years. Lieutenant took it to the sergeant. Tomorrow at 20 hundred hours, the colonel will appear in fatigues in the theater with Haley's Comet, something that occurs once every 75 years. If it rains, the colonel will order the comet into the battalion area. Sergeant took it to the squad and said, when it rains tomorrow at 20 hundred hours, the phenomenal 75-year-old General Haley, accompanied by the colonel, will drive his comet through the battalion wearing fatigues. Isn't it amazing how the message changes? Do you remember the telephone game, how bad that could go? You pass the message on, and the communication starts to break down, and all of a sudden, the message changes. Is it any different when we get so distant from God? We love God. It's not a question of us loving him or him loving us, but when we're not making it a regular habit of spending time in his presence, 
There's a distance, a disconnect that takes place. And then all of a sudden, it's not that God's not speaking, but because of the distance, the message can change. And some of that's on our part, because throughout the Bible, God warns us to be careful about what we say. Or, or, or maybe more accurately, he warns us not to say certain things, like things that can cut, hurtful words. Many of us would say that we should maybe just keep our mouths shut. Remember the old saying, if you ain't got anything good to say, yeah, you guys know it. Don't say anything at all. But that's not reality. I mean, we should do that. That's wise advice. But the reality is, is we've got to talk. And, and even if we don't, we communicate in other ways, which I'll get to in, in just a moment. But the words that we speak don't originate in our mouth. They originate in our heart. It's something that happens on a heart level. The words just exit out of our mouth is all that takes place. So it starts here. It starts within in the heart, and we have to be very careful. The Bible says in Psalms 141, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors, or the door of my lips. Uh, Ecclesiastes says, don't criticize the king, even silently, and don't criticize the rich, even in the privacy of your bedroom. Now, the reason I pulled this scripture out is because I was like, there's something important to be drawn out of this. This passage warns us to not criticize others, even silently or privately. You know what I'm talking about? It's when somebody does something and you have that thought, like whatever that thought is, and it's negative, and you don't say it, and you're proud because you didn't say it. But the Word of God's saying, but you thought it. Well, pastor, I can't stop thoughts from coming into my head. No, you can't. I get that. I completely understand that. But you get to choose whether they stay or not, Right? You get to choose. You know, sometimes people will do something and be like, what is their, and and, and I might not know the answer, but I can't let that reside there. I can't let it live rent-free within my heart because then it just brings destruction. And that's what the Bible warns us about, to be very careful because otherwise you're not going to communicate well in life. We must allow only good treasures to build up in our hearts. And so to that end, we must also protect our hearts from the bad things entering it. We have a choice of what we allow into our hearts and our lives. We get to choose what we allow into our hearts and into our lives. And whatever you choose will determine the outcome of your future. Luke chapter 6 says, The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is what? It's good. And the evil man out of the evil treasures brings forth that which is evil. And then it goes on and says, for his mouth speaks that which fills his heart. In other words, whatever's in your heart is going to come out. So the question that's on the floor is this, what are you filling your heart with? What are you filling your heart with? When we talk about the way that we speak, we usually assume we're only talking about our words, but really we communicate in three ways. Here's number one, verbal, right? Verbal down. That's, that's an obvious one. You guys understand that. You get that. I'm talking to you today. I'm using my words. I'm verbally communicating to you. It's being magnified over a, over a microphone. We get it. We understand verbal. Studies show that though there is only 7% effectiveness that's produced by the spoken word. Now, the spoken word is powerful, but it's just saying there's other ways we communicate that sometimes are more important. Sure, the spoken word is powerful, but when... Talking about communication that's happening in a relationship, the question is, are you paying attention? Uh, we've all been guilty of this. I've been, and you've been here too, okay? So I'm not throwing rocks at anybody. 
but you could be in a room and we've got these cool little things called cell phones, right? Smartphones. And have you ever been in a room only to realize when you look around the room, all 35 people in the room are doing this? And you don't throw rocks at that because you're going to be there in 10 minutes, right? Or you just came out of your phone and noticed everybody in theirs. So anybody that wants to have a conversation has to battle that. And it reminded me of, it was years ago, but I had my computer open on the, on the table and Lisa came in and started talking to me, which was perfectly fine. But being the great multitasker I am, I thought I can do this and listen to her talk to at the same time. So she's talking to me and I did like any good husband. She talked and said what she said and I went, uh-huh, yeah, ooh, that's good, yeah, uh-huh, okie dokie, you bet, babe. And she goes, Jim, what did I just say? And I went, uh, words? <laughs> I had no answer to give her. Why? Because I was focused on what I was doing. I was not communicating well. You see, communicating is about the words that you speak, but it's also about listening to the others around you. It's a, it's a, it's a two-way road. And sometimes we struggle with that. Here's the second way we communicate. Write down nonverbal. Nonverbal communication is usually understood as the process of communication through sending and receiving wordless, mostly visual messages between people. Um, studies show that 38% of communication happens by tone, inflection, or other elements. 55% is communicated by body language, movements, and eye contact, etc. Nonverbal cues are pitch, speed, tone of voice, gestures, facial expressions, body posture, stance, proximity, eye movement, eye contact, and so on. You see, we communicate probably more in a nonverbal way than we do in a verbal way. Um, I was guilty of this. I've got two uncles. Uh, I love them both dearly. Uncle Everett, who's from the South. Uh, Uncle Harold, who, he was a missionary, and then he was living in the West. Now he's down in Texas. But my Uncle Everett was kind of a, he, he was Alabama, okay? He's a yeehaw, howdy, y'all, you know. And he was usually volume 10, and he always said what he thought, usually without a filter. And loved him to death. He loved Jesus, so it's not like he, I don't mean that when he didn't use a filter, he was cussing and all that. He, he, didn't, he didn't do that. But he would call you out. When I was a kid, we'd go to restaurants as a little kid. He used to try to pawn me off and try to get the waitresses to marry me. You know, hey, you want to marry this boy? He's a problem. We're trying to get rid of him. I'd be like, stop it, you know? And he would embarrass, just embarrass me, but yet he was, he was fun. And it happened that my grandma had passed away. It would have been my mom's mom. We were having the funeral down at Snell's Ornig. And, you know, visitations, funerals can go a while. I was 14, 15, 16. I had been there an hour. I'm done. I want to leave. And so I walk up to my dad, my uncle sitting next to him. And I said, Dad, I said, it's been an hour. Can I go home now? My dad informed me uh, very swiftly, no, you're staying for the whole thing. And I, prompt, I, I promptly went like this, oh. And I rolled my eyes back up in my head, gave a huge sigh, to which my uncle, volume 10, calls people out, just went, ooh, boy. He said, I almost heard them eyes roll back in your head. And I'm like, stop it. And he goes, stop what? He goes, your eyes are louder than my voice. And he just started calling me out on my, my nonverbal communication. Embarrassed me, but maybe in a good way, you know, because I never forgot that, how hugely I, I reacted. Not rolling my eyes. So every time he'd see me, he'd always make fun of me because I was either rolling my eyes in my pocket or as a kid, we left a restaurant 
And you know those little, those little butter samples? Um, as a kid, I had two or three of them. I said, what should I do with these? And my uncle said, stick them in your pocket. I took them at his word, stuck them in my pocket as like a four-year-old. We're driving down the road, and all of a sudden I said, what do I do now? He started laughing until he about couldn't drive anymore because I actually did it. So that's the kind of crazy uncle I have. But he would call me out on all of that nonverbal communication. But before you make fun of me or laugh at me, you do it too. We all do. We communicate verbally. We communicate in nonverbal ways. But there's a third way we communicate. Write this down. Our spirit. Now, when you look at these three forms of communication, which do you think is more important? Let me give you the answer. It's our spirit. It's the most important. Even if your words are fairly straightforward, the spirit with which you say them is so much more important. If I were to go to my wife and tell her, I love you so much. You know, I, I get to do life with you and I enjoy that. You know, she's like, aww, you know, it, you know, providing I mean it, right? But if I just look at her one day and I just go, yeah, I love you too, what does that communicate? Yeah, I'm not going to be eating chili for a while probably is what it's communicating, you know. It, it gives, uh, there's no warm, fuzzy feelings that are, are, are taking place there at all. It's not happening. How we communicate is so important, but our spirit with which we do it rises above all of that. The Bible says, watch your heart with all diligence because the words that, 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 that you say, that you can say and probably will say, will be overwritten by the spirit with which you say it. So you can tell somebody, correct somebody, have something to say, and you can do it even though you're right, you can do it in a wrong way. And it'll completely shut them down. If I have a jealous heart, it will always come out. And people often blame others uh, for things by saying things like this. Well, he made me angry because whatever. So I did this. Or you'll say, she's causing me stress, so that's why I do what I do. That's why I said what I said. But the truth is that these things are not caused from the outside. They're, they're, they start inside. It's about our spirit. It's about our heart. So what are we supposed to do? What should our response be? I want to show you this verse, James 1. 19, and let's read this one together nice and loud. You ready? Go. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. That's your three points. You can write them down. What are we supposed to do? You need to be quick to hear. You need to be slow to speak. That doesn't mean talk slowly. It means think about what it is you're saying before you speak, and be slow to anger. You how can I be slow to anger? It just happens. You can be slow to anger when you are quick to hear and slow to speak. That enables you to be slow to anger. So how can I grow in my ability to communicate well? I'm going to give you like six observations. Things that I took out of the Word of God that can help us be better communicators because this is one of the things that is not only a, a wedge that the enemy can use, but it can hinder our marital relationships, our marriages, or, or our relationship with our children. It can hinder in the workplace. It can hinder our relationship with God, not knowing how to communicate well. Now, notice I'm not saying that you don't communicate at all. You, you, you do, but how do we do it well? Here's number one. Right now, make sure that we have FaceTime whenever possible. Now, I'm not talking about FaceTime that we're familiar with today. 
It's not a social network or platform. It's making sure that we are making it a priority to spend time face-to-face with one another. Many times we wonder how we've grown so distant and we feel like we're so far away from the people that we love, but we have to ask the question, when's the last time we spent any real time with them? You know what I mean? Real time. Face-to-face. Whether you're facing a crisis, stress, joy, good news, bad news, the most important thing to consider in sharing in those times is face-to-face time. We, we have to be there in that moment so that we can have that eye contact with one another, so we can read each other's uh, nonverbal cues, so we can have that face time. It's about giving real time and attention to those people in our lives that we prioritize highly. We, we can't be doing something else when we're with them. We have to give them our attention. We need to pay attention. 1 Corinthians 13 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then, it says, face to face. In other words, that's the priority, face to face. I'm beginning to see that there's just nothing better than face to face time with others and with God. But we live in a society today that we become excellent at connecting with one another electronically, but we've grown relationally distant. How can that happen? Simply because we're not spending time face-to-face. Today, what we do is we voicemail, email, blog, tweet, text, personal message, Foursquare, FaceTime, Facebook one another, thinking that we've done a great job at connecting relationally and communicating with one another. But when we communicate this way, all it does is make us a, a, a mile wide and an inch deep. We got all these relationships. I texted, I, I called them, Skyped, FaceTime. You know, I'm doing pretty good, but, but there's no depth. That's why face-to-face is so important. But, oh, I mean, it was years ago, but I was guilty of this. I, wanted, I was at another house that we lived in. It was in the basement, and I wanted to talk to my daughter. She was upstairs. So you know what I did? I texted her, right? said, hey, Dre, come downstairs. I want to talk to you. About a minute later, Dre comes down. She comes into the basement. She goes, really, Dad? Really? I'm like, what? She goes, I was upstairs. I said, and I was downstairs. And she goes, you could have come up there. And I'm like, yeah, I could have. I could have. But I took the easy way. I was being lazy is what I was doing. I wanted her to do the legwork. And so I texted her because I didn't think at that time it was that important. Here's what the Bible says. 2 John chapter 12. Though I have many things to write to you, I do not want to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face so that your joy may be made full. The Apostle John writes to to us what seems to have a current word for us bloggers and emailers and texters today. Technology can fool me into thinking I've connected with dozens of people without requiring me to spend more than a few seconds on my computer keyboard or my cell phone. Now, Man, Pastor, you're going awful hard at technology. Do you not like it? I love it. I embrace it. I'm not saying don't text. I'm not saying don't blog. I'm not saying don't, you know, use FaceTime. I'm saying don't let that replace the value and importance of face-to-face time relationships. We've been given technology as a tool, not a savior. It's it's the thing that we are supposed to use, but never let it replace face-to-face time. Instant messaging may make me efficient, but it doesn't help anyone become known more deeply down where you, where you really want to be known. I want, I want them to know who I am. 
So what's the remedy? Well, it comes in a package called time. It's going to require time. Is it any wonder that in our crazed communication, we can be fooled into thinking that we can somehow have this distance from God uh, when we're not in his presence? God calls us and says, I want face-to-face time with you. I want you to be in my presence. I want you to come to where I am. Don't text me and tell me to come to the basement. Come find me where I'm at. Spend that time face-to-face so that I can pour into your life. Now, reading books on God's love is good, okay? It's good. Uh, Studying a book on apologetics, that might be beneficial for you in your life. However, that kind of knowledge will only take you so far. Only so far. Use it if in the midst of you spending time with God helps, but don't let it replace that time with God. I'm becoming more and more convinced that my connection with God demands nothing else but spending time face-to-face with God. Am I perfect at it? No. I want you to hear that right now. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to work at making time. Sometimes I do it when I'm driving in my truck. I'm like, I haven't talked to God all day. You know what? He's there in my truck, so I start talking to him. So if you pass me on the road and I'm talking, nobody else is in my car, good chances are I'm talking to God or I've lost my ever-loving mind. One of the two, okay? You can do it anywhere. While you're folding laundry, while you're cleaning the house, while you're making me a pie, you know, anytime. I'm just throwing that out there. Here's number two. Watch what we allow into our hearts. Watch what you allow into your heart. Psalms chapter four says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. The phrase, watch over your heart, is a Hebrew derivative that talks about a sentry, okay? Make sure, in other words, that the sentry, the guard, is set to watch over your heart. Think of the Buckingham Palace guards, right? They stand there tall. They don't move. They don't smile. They don't flinch. And they stand guard over that gate So only what's supposed to go in and what's supposed to come out happens. Things that are not supposed to come in, they will stop it. Things that need to get out, they'll go remove it. So the Bible's literally saying, set that kind of a guard over your heart and get rid of the things you know you need to get rid of and start putting in the things that you know you should. Make sure the sentry is on the ball. Watch over your heart. You can either build good things or evil things. Just depends on the condition of your heart. The choice is yours. The words that you speak well, they, be word, they will be words that come from your heart, so be very careful what you allow into your heart. When I talk to somebody I don't know, if I've, if I've met them and we have no history, here's what I do. I let them talk first. I ask them a couple questions, and I let them talk. Because in 10 minutes, I can kind of identify where their heart's at. doesn't mean I know them perfectly. doesn't mean we have some great relationship. It's just within approximately, there's no magical formula, okay? But in approximately 10 minutes, I can identify where their heart is at because as they talk, what is in their heart is coming out. What they're passionate about, what they care about, what they don't care about, what they think about this, what they think about that. I can identify that, that quickly. And how does that, how does that all work? Well, I'm listening not to just the words that are passing by their lips, I'm hearing their heart. I'm hearing what they think is important. When they, when they speak to me, I catch their spirit and what's in their heart. Let me say this to the men in the, in, in the building and the men that are watching online. We have been called as men to be spiritual leaders of the home. Why? Because we're better? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Simply put, because God said so. 
That's the way he put it out there. So watch what you are allowing, men, into your hearts because it affects not only your life, but the life of those that you are supposed to be spiritually leading. It affects it greatly. There's too many traps out there in this world, isn't there? There's too many things trying to lure you uh, away as men, and the enemy will use whatever he can to get you focused on anything but God. He will try to dethrone the greatness of God in your life and try to replace that with anything else, and then you won't be able to lead anybody. But he says, as men, he says, I've called you to be the spiritual leaders. I put that calling on your life to lead your wife or your future wife, to lead your children or your future children. And if you're here today and you're single, don't check your brain at the door right now, okay? Because God is speaking to you too. Even if you never plan to marry, God still calls you as a spiritual leader wherever you are at right now. He's called you to lead in that area. Ladies, maybe... You're here today and you're saying, well, Pastor, my heart's been broken so many times before. I've been hurt. I've got the wounds. I've got the scars. And I I don't want to even think about relationship. Can Can I just caution you to be very careful? Because if you get to a place where you say that, or start to communicate that there's these demands on any potential relationship that's going to take place, you start to say things like, well, if I get in a relationship, then he better, and then fill in the blank. You see, be very careful of that. This goes for married ladies too, not just single ladies that are looking for a relationship, but ladies that are in a marital relationship as well. If you start to place a demand and the issue is not relationship, you know, it's about setting that guard at your heart, be very careful of that, that it's not about setting the demand of, well, you better this and if you love me that and doing that. It's about making sure that you put a guard at your heart and say, Jesus, what do you have to say about this? Because the Bible says, watch over your heart with all diligence, not just some, a portion on the weekends, nine to five, with all diligence. We all need to be real careful what we allow into our hearts. If you have allowed wrong things into your heart and it has torn your heart, if it has scarred your heart, ask Jesus to heal your heart. As a matter of fact, his word says that when you invite me into the process, he says, I'll give you a brand new heart. So if you feel like yours is all scattered and torn, Jesus says, I'll give you a brand new one. The Bible says he'll do that for us. Here's number three when it comes to communication. Look for what is good. Look for what is good. If I were to ask you, what are, what are the top 10 things that are wrong with this world today? You'd probably go bang, 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 bang. And there would be your opinions and somebody else would have a different one. But if I asked you, now tell me 10 things that are good about this world, you'd probably go, uh. And you could probably do it, but it would take you longer because it's easy to spot the bad. It's harder to find the good. Proverbs says, a worthless man digs up evil while his words are like scorching fire. It also says in Proverbs, he who diligently seeks good seeks favor, but he who seeks evil, evil will come to him. So if you're looking for what's wrong in this world and you can't find out why everywhere you go, it seems like everything's wrong, maybe it's because it's the condition of your heart and what you're looking at, what you're allowing in. Because the Bible just said, if you're looking for evil, guess what? It will find you. But if you're looking for good, guess what? The good will find you as well. When you're searching with those kinds of eyes, uh, negative ones, always looking for what's wrong, it's almost like you're putting a signal out to the devil. The, the, The word says that evil will search you out. The Lord says to train our eyes, though, to see what is good. Because when you see what is good, 
you'll be able to respond to that. Uh, I don't have this truck anymore, but I used to have a white Ford F-150. <clears throat> and when I decided, I, I, we decided uh, that I wanted this truck, um, I was like, I saw it for sale on a lot, and I'm like, it's a nice looking truck. I don't think anybody else has one like this. You know, it'll be unique. I'll stand out. You know, it's going to be awesome. So I got the truck. As soon as I got the truck, guess what I started seeing all over town? White trucks everywhere. And I'm like, what? Is everyone trying to copy me or something, you know? But no, they were always out there. But why didn't I see the white trucks before? Simple answer. I wasn't looking for them. I wasn't looking for them. I started asking myself, where did they all come from? Uh, you know, but I, I didn't see them before. How could I not have seen them before? Well, that's a good question. And the answer is, I just, I wasn't looking for a truck then. Once I started looking, I noticed trucks all over the place and in many different shapes and styles and colors, but I saw an awful lot of white ones thinking I was unique or special. Well, this is the way it works in relationships. If we're going to become good communicators, we're going to have to start looking for the good in one another. And if you will look for the good in one another, one another guess what? You will find it. But you have to look. You can't wait for it to just be dropped in your lap. That's the... When we're talking about finding the bad in people, that's easy. It doesn't, you don't even have to think about that one. But you and I must start by looking for what is good. Here's number four. Write down, learn from the wise. If you're going to become a good communicator, a better communicator, learn from the wise. Learn from them and see how relationships can grow. Hang around people who use their words wisely and learn from them. In the Old Testament, words have power to them, as they do today. But words, especially in the Old Testament, they understood the power, the impact of the words that they used. You can use words to bring healing, or you can use words to bring harm. It just depends how you choose to use those words. Proverbs 12 says, Rash language cuts and maims, but there is healing in the words of the wise. So you can choose the words that you use. You need to choose to either use your words to get your own way and hurt each other or use your words in such a way that God can bring healing to people and rebuild relationships. Proverbs 18 also says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and, the one, uh, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Did you know that you have the power of death and life right here, your tongue? Uh, my granddaughter, I can't believe I'm saying that. It's still kind of weird. It's like, putting on a new sweater, you know, it's like, eh. but you know, I'm a grandpa. Can you believe that? I'm affectionately known as Pop Pop, while Lisa is known as Glamma because she's the glamorous. I can't say the other word, so, but um, she has learned recently at seven months old, she's discovered her tongue, right? You know, little kids start moving and figuring out, they build up their neck strength and do all of that. Well, now she's learned that she's got a tongue, you know, and she's starting to say babbling words, ba 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 you know, doing all this stuff. But she'll look at you and I'll say, hey, Charlie Rose, how are you doing, baby girl? And she'll talk to me a little, and then she'll go, <laughs> she'll stick her tongue out. And so I'll stick my tongue back at her, hmm, you know. And then she goes to the side, hmm, and she's trying to look at it. And she starts doing circles. And then she moves her tongue, oh, no, we're going this way. And she's just so excited that what is this thing? The Bible says that before she even knew she had a tongue and knows what a tongue is all about, the power of death and life reside there. Obviously, 
I hope she grows up and uses it for good. But I know me growing up, and sometimes I didn't. And the good news is God is always gracious to forgive us, but we must learn to use uh, our words wisely because there's so much power there. How can I learn that? Learn from hanging out with other wise people. Uh, people that are, uh, you know, I, I used to find people. I called them pace setters. I would find somebody that had it going on a little bit more than me. You know what I mean? You're not trying to get down on yourself, but I need to grow in this area. Whether it's your, your prayer or spiritual journey or it's doing your job, whatever. You find somebody that's doing a little better and you hang around them and you watch how they do it and you watch the, the way that they do it. And then you start mimicking them and learn from them and you become like them. You learn from the wise. We've got to do that with our words. Number five, learn to ponder. Learn to ponder. You see, to communicate well in relationships, we have to learn to ponder. Notice that I didn't say worry, stew, grieve, fret, figure out how to get revenge I said ponder. To ponder is simply thinking about something deeply in the presence of God. That's what it means to ponder. Uh, here's a word that I'll give you that the Lord's given me within the last three weeks that he's working. So I'm a work in progress, just like everybody else. And sometimes when things don't go my way, I get frustrated. How about you? <laughs> you guys look at me like, no, pastor, we don't get frustrated. We are Christians. When things don't go my way, I get frustrated. And it was a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, Lord, I don't get it. I had this whole plan. I thought we talked about this. I thought we were good. And I, I meant, really, I meant, I, thought, I heard you. You said go this way. I went this way. Dead end. What do I do now? And I was mad. I was angry. I was frustrated. It was kind of like, like a mixed bag. And I heard the Holy Spirit. I was driving from one location to the next. I had a lot on my mind, and he still showed up. I was seeking him, and he said, Jim, reframe that. And I was like, you reframe it. I don't want to reframe it. You know, you know, like I was upset. That was an angry response from me. But I thought about it. I'm like, what do you mean reframe it? When something goes bad, when something goes wrong, when things don't go the way you expect them to, you can either blow up and get mad because you didn't get your way or you can learn to ponder this situation. And the word I'm learning is reframing. To me, what I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me uh, is there's times when things don't go my way. He shows up and he just goes, reframe that. And I'm like, I don't understand. And I don't, so I'm here to tell you, I don't have it all figured out, okay? But what I'm learning is this, that I get in the presence of God. What do you mean reframe it? Okay, it didn't go your way. But look for the good in it. Do you see any good? And I go, yeah, I see good. He goes, pick those pieces up. So mentally, I'm grabbing these pieces, okay? I've got them. Okay. What about the rest? He goes, get rid of it. Just let it go. That's the stuff that, that drags you down. So let it go. Hold on to the good. Now use that. Build something and reframe what's going on in your life. You see, that happens when you ponder. You're in the presence. You're thinking deeply about something in the presence of God. We need to learn to ponder a little bit more as children of God. It's not hard. It just takes time. And sometimes we don't want to do it. Pondering is a process that takes, uh, it takes something that could maybe lead to bitterness and instead develops character. When I think of pondering, I think of Mary in the Bible. Remember? How would you like to be a, a, a female virgin and somebody says, you're going to be pregnant and give birth to the Son of God? She did some pondering, I think, right? God, you better talk to me because this, this ain't looking good. You know, I think the only one that might have pondered more than her was Joseph, you know. <laughs> how, how, how did this happen, you know? And they were trying to figure everything out. 
But it says in the Bible that Mary pondered everything that was given to her. She was given quite an assignment. And in Luke chapter 1, it says she was very perplexed at this statement. You would be too. But she kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. Notice it was pondering. She's in the process of it. She didn't stop. She hadn't pondered or she was going to. She's doing it currently. Mary pondered a lot. In fact, when it was told that she would bear uh, a son and he would be called the son of God, it says that Mary treasured all of these things, pondering them in her heart, completely keeping it into the presence of God. When you ponder something in your heart, you're taking something that could be destructive and bitter and you're working it until you see God in the midst of it. Too many times we speak before we think. Can we agree on that? I know we don't want to, but a lot of times that happens and we give people a piece of our mind, tell them what we think. You see, we don't take time to ponder. We just say things that we regret later. Maybe we're getting in an argument and we wish we could take those words back, but you, 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 can't, you can't take them back. They cut somebody and it hurt them. Had we pondered, maybe that wouldn't have happened. So we need to work at our pondering because if your minds go blank, we tend to just start firing words randomly. I had a teacher in school made this statement and I, I never forgot it. He said, if your mind goes blank, don't forget to shut off the volume. So in other words, if your mind goes blank, don't just go spewing at the mouth. That's a good time to be silent. <laughs> That's a good time to ponder. See, pondering helps you. It's not just fretting, worrying, thinking, rehashing. It's reflecting mixed with tears and prayers and faith that all that God has taught you until he gives you a better perspective so that you can rise above it. And the last thing is simply this. How can we become a better communicator? Never keep love unspoken. Never keep love unspoken. Concealing your love is the worst. That's worse than a public rebuke. That's why God says, uh, that's what he says. And too many times we think that it's la that lack of communication. We're just trying to punish the other person. But everybody needs love, amen? Everybody loves to be appreciated. Do you guys agree with that? But yet it's one of the things we do the least of. It's one of the things we do the least of. We're not, we're not very good. And I'm not saying that as a downer. It's just, if something's not right, it needs to be addressed. And one of the things I, needs to, I think needs to be addressed, me personally, is I need to get better at appreciating those around me. I think we as a church need to get better at appreciating those that are around us. Don't withhold love from somebody or withhold appreciation from somebody because they made you mad. Yeah, you might not say it in that exact moment, but don't let it become a wall that you build to keep people out. See, we talked the other week about anger. It's okay to be angry. The Bible says, be angry, just don't what? Sin. Yeah, don't sin. And when we withhold love from one another, when we withhold appreciation from one another, for whatever reason, our communication breaks down. We adopt an attitude and a vocabulary that says, I love you, I told you I love you, if it ever changes, I'll let you know. That's not very loving. If I were to look at my wife and I said, she's like, do you love me? She's Louise. 1991, we stood on this altar. I told you I loved you. If it changes, I'll email you, okay? Or... That's not going to go over very well, is it? No. Because people want to be loved. People want to be appreciated. Every one of us. And if you're here today and you're saying, I don't need that much, maybe not. 
but you still need it. We live on that. We thrive on that. When we withhold that love from others, we're being disobedient to the word of God. And it only brings further disconnect, uh, discontent, and discouragement. A lot of dis is going on right there, right? Because we don't want to communicate well. Ultimately, there will be a distant, a, a chasm that will we'll feel we'll, we can never cross it, but we can do something about it today. Maybe you came in here today and you thought, yeah, there's this gap in my relationship with God or my relationship with my family. You can do something about that today. May we be a people who are no longer limited in our relationships, but that communication will become a, a tool that we can use to bring healing and hope, that we can use it to share love and encouragement in the lives of those around us. How do we do that? Spend time. I know it's valuable. I know you're busy. We're all busy. And you can't meet everyone every day. And you definitely cannot make everybody happy. You have not been called to be a people pleaser. You and I have been called to please one and only one, Jesus. And it's that love. And then that love, he says that same love, love one another. You have to look at and prioritize how you spend that time. But you spend that time with one another, being careful what you allow into your hearts. It's our choice. We choose what gets in there. Look for what is good. Look for what is good. I'm going to say it again. Look for what is good. I'll say it one more time. Look for what is good. Why do you keep saying that? Because we, 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 we miss that one time and time again. We've got to hear it over and over. Look for what is good. When you came to church today, chances are there was some, some reason, something that happened and it crossed your mind, man, I just don't even want to go to church. You know, we just got to take care of this. I got to do that. This is falling apart. Our pets are exploding over here. It's just, a, it, everything's a nightmare. Look for what is good in the midst of that. Maybe it's something more serious. I'm going through a health issue. I'm going through a relationship problem. Look for what is good. Oh, you mean to tell me there's something good in the midst of this? Yes. Well, what is it? Can't tell you. Well, how do I find it? Ponder. Get in the presence of God and look for what is good. If you look for it, you will find it. Flip side's dangerous too. If you look for the bad, you will find it. It's not hard. Learn from the wise. Learn to ponder. And these are all things that we can do. And may we learn to communicate our actions in our words and our spirit in healthy ways that bring glory to God. Amen. Father, I thank you so much for your love. I thank you for your grace. I thank you that I can stand up here and preach about this knowing I am not perfect at it, but that same grace is here for each and every one of us. Lord, for those that are here today and they're hurting because of words that have wounded them, Father, I pray that as they invite you into the process that you will heal their hearts. For some of us here today, Lord, we've been wounded by others. We've been offended by them. And it just boils down to communication. Lord, help us to be a people that ponder, get in your presence until we get to the place where we can mold it and shape it till we see you in the midst of it, Jesus. And Father, help us. Please help us look for what is good. Will you teach us? Will you show us even this week ways that we can appreciate the people in our life that are important to us and speak words of life? 
we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.